I don't know about you, but I take things personally. I like things personal. That's right. I like personal trainers, personal assistants. I like things personal. And that's why I have my own personal therapist. That's right. If you go to betterhelp.com, you too can have your own personal therapist. Why not? I like things personalized, like my phone personalized, my uh, car, all the different gadgets I have. I want them personalized to me. And when you go to betterhelp.com, you get your own therapist who's going to be personalized to you. You know, if you read a self-help book, that's for everybody. That's for the generalized people. But you get your own personal therapist when you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. And you'll get 10% off your first month when you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Get your own personal. I like to call them pocket professionals because you don't have to go into an office. It's right there on your phone. You can call. You can chat. You can text. Get your own personal therapist right now go to betterhelp.com forward slash leo and let's get to tomorrow together welcome to another episode of before you kill yourself with your host leo flowers i am leo flowers uh i have a cool podcast first of all thank you for joining me today feel your feet on the ground take a big exhale i was going to say inhale (laughs) Take a big exhale, drop your shoulders, settle in. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time to the podcast, the Monday episodes are typically guests that I have on, and then Thursdays are things I want to talk about. Sometimes, you know, it's I'm just rambling. But today, we're going to talk about two things. One is a text message that I received from a friend asking if, they are unlovable. And it, it just broke my heart that my friend, somebody who's very close to me, would even feel like that. And then I was like, how many people are feeling that? Feeling unlovable. And uh, it stunned me because it's a, it's a question I've never asked myself. And so when I want to talk to you about what the research says about that and then we're going to talk about how, and I promised this to you from last week, I went to, I had, on Zoom, via Zoom, a suicide prevention conference. And they have it once a year. It's a three-day, three, was it three days or two days? I can't I think it was two days. But, oh, yeah, this was two days. It was a two-day event, and they have, you know, anywhere from seven to some, I remember one year there was maybe 12 or 15 speakers, and they they cover so many different areas of suicide and suicide prevention. And uh, and so I'm going to slowly have, you know, my Thursday episodes talk about some of the main takeaways that I learned. And so today we're going to talk about suicide prevention, and the talk comes from Dr. Evan uh, Kleiman. And he's talking about technology and suicide prevention, how technology and wearables um, can help or how we can use that. But I, I want to start off with this, <clears throat> excuse me, suicide, uh, not suicide, but with this idea of uh, feeling unlovable. Oh, my God. Like, because w- our basic need is to belong, to feel like. We belong to a group, to our family, to our community, to our friends, to everyone. And when we don't feel like we belong, then then we feel the opposite. We feel like, you know, we are been ostracized or kicked out or even abandoned, right? Like it's just us, is you know, that whole me against the world when which when I was a kid, that was a cool idea. It's me against the world. You know, it's an old Tupac saying, right? And there's something kind of cool and young and braggadocio and, you know, chest beating about that. But as you get older, you you don't want to be alone. Even as a kid, you don't want to be alone. You don't want to play alone. You know, there's always that scene of the, the kid who wants to play with others and they're just playing there with their trucks or their Barbies or whatever by themselves or you know shooting hoops on a bat on an empty basketball court that kind of thing 
And so, you know, Abraham Maslow, low, 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 <laughs> who is a psychologist, you know, he talks about how love and belonging is one of our five essential human needs. So to even ask the question, are we unlovable? That's a valid question, right? Because so many things in society can make us feel like that. Like if we don't have the car, the money, the status, the looks, the, uh, the associations, the social group, especially like in college. And then, you know, maybe messages we received from our parents as a kid. You know, maybe hopefully our parents said that they love us and, and told us that we were lovable. But, you know, we, this, is, this is the real world. And so we know we have parents out there who are saying the exact opposite. So a lot of us worry that we lack the belonging and acceptance that are required to meet this need, to, to feel like we're worthy and, and capable of being loved by others. And the, and the issue with that, the challenge with that, is that if you feel like you're unlovable, then you feel like you're ostracized. And then you also feel like, well, if I'm by myself, if I'm alone and no one loves me, then that means th- they're enemies. They're out to get me. Or, they do, or even worse, they don't even care about me. I don't even show up on their radar. So if I, if I believe that I'm unlovable, then that means that all of my relationships are, when people say they care about me or, or, or love me or miss me, then that means that they're lying. It's all, it's all it's built, a, it's a shady foundation. That means I can't trust what they're saying. And then it's like, why would you lie to me? Why can't you just say, you're not going to miss me because I'm unlovable? If, if you're going to miss me, that means I'm lovable, but I don't trust what you're saying. So it creates this whole thing. And this is why it's so important to notice what our thinking is and what our belief system is, what our real belief system is and 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 listening to that voice in our head and and it's also why it's important to get it down on paper or voice recorded or talk it out with somebody else so that we can kind of look at it and be like whoa i didn't realize how this thinking is leading me down this this trail of tears this trail of pain this trail of loneliness and side note side note as we're talking about thoughts you know, I'm gonna have Emmy Neatfeld on my pot on the podcast uh, Monday, this Monday. The, the next episode will be with, or uh, not the next episode will be with her that you hear, but it'll be the next one that I record. And in the book, at the end, and we're gonna talk. I'll talk about this with her when she gets on the podcast. But she talked about how she realized how the foods she was eating was triggering thoughts in her mind. And when she stopped drinking Diet Coke and beans, how that thought of, I, I hate myself and I don't deserve to be here, how those thoughts dissipated. And there's so much research on how foods affect our thoughts. Huge. When I, um, you know, when I stopped eating by 6 p.m., and I've had a mostly keto day of eating, meaning like low sugar and carbs and, and like protein and fat. And then I wake up the next morning, nine times out of 10, I feel amazing. I, the thoughts in my brain naturally are of love and compassion and kindness and uh, um, just cheering me on. I become on cheerleader just you know rah 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 you got this and or sometimes you know there's just nothing there's no chatter it's just quiet and tranquil and serene and that comes from one the food and then two a good night's sleep now if i eat keto and i have a a poor night's sleep then um you know that definitely can affect my thoughts so i need both i need the old one-two punch Nobody wants peanut butter and just and no jelly. Nobody wants jelly with no peanut butter. Everything in life requires the old one-two punch. So I digress, right? Coming back to this idea 
of am I unlovable, all right? So <laughs> uh, when we feel unlovable, like what is that feeling, like, right? It, it, it could feel that we are fundamentally bad in a way that makes it impossible for another person to love us. And, and that can stem from, you know, I went to a Catholic school. When we feel bad, like I'm a bad person, then that's, that's a message that is separating myself from my behaviors. There's a difference between, you know, me being bad and me doing something that, uh, where now I feel guilty for what I've done, right? So nobody is inherently bad. We talk about an apple going bad. It doesn't go bad, right? It doesn't start selling drugs, or holding up banks, it's not. It doesn't break bad, right? Um, it just became uh, rotten. It it, it atrophied. It, um, it it what what's the word? There's a third word I'm looking for, and it is that's beating me up right now. But but the point is, no one is fundamentally good or bad, right? When we talk about the universe, it just we did a thing, and now maybe we feel guilty about what we've done. Right. And so that doesn't mean that we are guilty as a person. It just means that it's a, it's a reminder that what we did doesn't align with who we are and it's not the full truth of who we are. Right. So recognize that maybe you feel bad about something, which really means you feel guilt or shame. That's that's what that is. No, there's no there is no feeling of bad. But there's a feeling of guilt, like I did something that can be deemed right or wrong or legal or illegal. Or I feel shame where people are telling me that uh, I'm bad or they're, they're bullying me or they're treating me in a way that makes me feel small and contractive uh, and, and fearful or maybe even angry. Um, so, or ostracize or, you know, abandon, that kind of thing. So, you know, when we think about am I unlovable, it typically means that we feel guilt or shame about something that we've done. And, and so ask yourself, where's that, where's that idea coming from? Do you truly feel guilty or is somebody telling you you should feel guilty? It's like you could feel guilty over not making your bed in the morning. Or not calling someone back immediately. You know, that old guilt trip, right? People are very good at giving you the old guilt trip. Why didn't you call me back? Why didn't you do this? Oh, you know, if well, if you love me, they give you those if-then scenarios. Well, if you love me, then, you know, blah, 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 blah. So then we fundamentally feel, quote-unquote, bad, guilty, or ashamed because of, some type of action that we did or did not participate in. The other reason why we might feel unlovable is because, and this goes back to what I was saying before, is, so you know, if we made mistakes in our life and we feel like we, didn't des- we don't deserve to be loved because of what we've done in the past, right? You know, so, you know, sometimes you look at something you did in your childhood or in your teens or in your 20s, and you go, oh, that's just unforgivable. I don't deserve love. I should I should be by myself. I'm un, I'm unworthy of of any joy or happiness or any future rewards because of what I've done. And I tell you what, if if that's truly how you feel, if that's truly how you feel, right? If he has it could be I you know, I don't I don't know your history. I don't know what you've done. But I remember there's a scene in Burnt and I've talked about this before. Burnt is a movie with, oh, what's his name? It's a, it's a movie about cooking, and it's a few years. Bradley Cooper, and he's a chef. And he, at the beginning of the movie, I'm not giving anything away, he's, he's um, peeling these potatoes, and he's counting every potato as he's peeling them. He's like, 999, 1,000. And then he quits the job. And he walks off. And you don't know why he was counting or peeling the potatoes and why he quit until halfway through 
And then you find out and you find out that that was his way of making amends for something that he felt guilty and or ashamed of uh, previously. So if you truly feel like you've made an egregious mistake, then find a way for you to make amends. I've had a situation like that from, I don't know, 10, maybe maybe 10, 15 years ago that was still haunting me to this day. And I said, you know what? If this is still coming up for me and I still feel guilty about this, then I need to make amends. I need to reach out to this person and and say, here's you know, here's how I feel. Here's what I'm going to do to make amends. And I had the, I was so surprised at how open and receptive they were in uh, how I planned on making amends, and then how perfectly timed it was because it was a, it was a financial amends, and they were just like, oh my god, this is coming at the perfect time, and et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, oh my, this feels amazing. This feels amazing because the the one thing that uh, drains energy is that feeling of having to look over my back, right? And this is, I think, why, you know, I know I'm always referring to movies because I love movies, why, you know, there are people who, when they are accused of something and they can't prove themselves innocent, they, they, they are unable to fight back, you know, they, they do their best by filing appeals, but they just take the punishment. They just go, all right, cool. Because the one thing they don't want to do is to, to feel like a fugitive, to feel like they're running. So if you feel like you're running, if you feel like a fugitive, or if you feel like you, 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 you did something, find a way that you can make amends that will bring you peace and ultimately have you feeling lovable again, right? Um, and then the, the, the third reason why we might feel unlovable is, uh, you know, somebody... Uh, pushes us away and like and and when people push us away and when we push others away in like uh, a self-sabotaging kind of way where you're let me start over you're in a relationship it's going smoothly and then because we get in our head about being unlovable we shove them away we push them away by either shutting down or we yell or we push their buttons to see if you really love and care about me, right? We, we do that whole thing where we're, we're testing the waters. See, how much do you love me? You say you love me. I need you to prove it. And then the relationship ends. And, what, and, the, and the challenge with that is that then we're never allowed to grow as an individual because we went into the relationship, things were going smooth, and we didn't recognize that that was proof of us being lovable. Things, the waters were calm. Things were tranquil. Oh, I can be in a, in a cool, calm, tranquil relationship. But we go, up. Oh, something must be up. Let me, let me see what's going on. And, and then we end up pushing the person who was loving us away. But because, you know, chances are we hadn't truly been loved, we didn't recognize it. We didn't recognize it. And, and a lot of times we don't recognize it because maybe we're experiencing a depression for whatever reason. You know, right now I live in San Diego and it is hot. It is so hot. It's a heat wave throughout the country, throughout the world. I, I, you know, just the, the planet is is warming up, and I truly believe that, especially if you don't have air conditioning, that's going to disrupt a lot of people's sleep. It's going to affect a lot of people's moods, weight, and you know. So we're talking about affecting our moods, and we know that sleep is the part of the foundation of our mental wellness and our well-being and our health and our relationships and just being able to show up for other people, depression can kick in and that because that can change our circadian rhythm. That can change our routine. 
And so, you know, when we're in that depressed state, when, when you know, and depression being defined as the, we're no longer finding joy in anything and feeling just burdened by, like, just weighed down by everything. To brush our teeth, to take a shower, all those things just seem so heavy. When, when you're in that state, of course we're going to feel unlovable. Who can love me? I haven't showered in a week. <laughs> I haven't brushed my teeth in three days. I haven't gotten out of bed. So, yes, it's, it's going to conjure up feelings of, of being emotional, of being unlovable. Also, if we struggle with bipolar personality disorder, that could be a thing, right? We struggle with bipolar or, or borderline personality disorder, uh, you know, because we have people with borderline personality disorder uh, have an unstable perception of themselves, which might cause them to feel unlovable, you know, because they also experience uh, a splitting, uh, a type of all or nothing thinking, which can cause them to see themselves in an extremely negative light. And all or nothing thinking is like things are either incredible or amazing, or they are, or could, could, you know, calamitous and disastrous, and it's the end of the world. It's just horrible, right? It, it's that it's like that the teenage kid who just falls on the ground and is like, "My life is over." That kind of thing. Everything is black and white, all or nothing. You're with me or against me. There's no room for a gray area, for nuance, right? Um, Other reason why we might feel unlovable is attachment issues, right? If uh, you have that insecure attachment style, which is based on, you know, our our interactions with our parents as a kid. How did, did it, were our parents there for us? Were they able to help us? soothe or you know did it give us you know proper coping skills or did we feel abandoned and ostracized and abused and and like we were a burden to them because if that's the case then of course we're going to have an insecure attachment style which then is going to lead us to feeling unlovable right so then we go well if my parent because we go if my parents didn't love me then who can love me the woman who carried me around for nine months doesn't love me who can love me? And the the truth is, and, and part of what helps, because it's completely understandable to feel like that, is to say, potentially they did the best they could with what they had. And this is not to let your parents off the hook. Not to let them off the hook at all. Because um, we, we know that some parents have done um, some heinous things to their children, uh, and and some what some might even deem as unforgivable, but know that starting today, you can start to learn how to love yourself, and also how to love other people. You know, it's like my mom doesn't know algebra; she don't know algebra. She didn't teach me algebra. But that doesn't mean that I can't learn algebra. Same thing with love. If you feel like your mom didn't love you, that doesn't mean that you can't learn love. You can. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of, of life is that uh, we can kind of make adjustments and course correct some of the things that our parents have uh, you know, bestowed upon us. We can, we can change our past experiences. That's, I mean, you know, I'm always going back to movies. But what I love about movies is that we get to see people play different characters, and then we go, oh, my God, I can't believe that's the same person. And it's the same thing in life. Like, we can, we can, we can become different people. We can learn different things. We can learn languages at, at, at a later age. I have a friend, you know, He's in his 70s, and he's studying Russian, study, learning Russian in his 70s, right? Because it's never too late to, to learn. 
you may not be able to learn as fast as you did when you were eight or nine or in your 20s, but you can still learn. We can still move that marker forward. We can still feel like there is progress, right? Um, other reason why we might feel unlovable is abuse. Been abused, physically abused, emotionally abused, wow, especially by a loved one. You know, this goes back to the parents. Um, or some type of, we had some type of trauma, maybe some like a huge loss in your childhood. Could make you feel like you're unworthy of love. You know, because you get that script in your head of things, bad things always happen to me. And if bad things always happen to me, then bad things will happen to the people close to me, so I shouldn't get close to anybody. Therefore, I'm unlovable. So sometimes we just have this script about the world, and the world is bringing bad stuff to our door, and I'm trouble or I attract evil. And so we go, oh, you don't want to hang around me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to lead you down a wrong path. Things won't work out well for either one of us. So then we go, I'm unlovable. When the truth is, Yes, maybe bad things have been brought to your door. But what I love about this podcast and what I love about talking to different people and hearing different stories and really digging deep into people's stories is that the people who I I think who um, have it all together, they've undergone so many challenges. They've had so much trash dumped at their front door. From abuse to neglect to job loss to uh, disability to disease, you know, uh, to, to death and longing and loneliness and, you know, uh, questioning this or that. Anybody who you think has it all together, I challenge you. I challenge you to go up and ask them to say, hey. You look like you got it all together. What part of your life don't you have? What's your biggest challenge right now? And I promise you, they, they will have a book's worth of challenges to dump at your door. And you're going to be quite surprised that, and that's the beauty of life. Because really when we feel unlovable, it's, I think part of it is like, which is like, am I the only one who feels like this? Right? Am I the only one who feels like I, I'm just not going to feel like I belong or I'm a part of? Because there are people in, in who, who you, see, you see couples holding hands and hanging out, and you just go, look at those. They're so in love. And you, but you don't know that. So much can be happening uh, behind the doors. And so much can be happening for you. Maybe you look like, you're the perfect couple. And then people don't really know the, the struggles that happen behind the doors. So here's the thing. When we feel unlovable, we have a, 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 it becomes a challenge for us to set healthy boundaries. right? Because as humans, we have an inherent need to be loved and accepted. So when we feel unlovable, we might feel incapable of setting boundaries because they will sacrifice because or, or I'm sorry we will sacrifice our needs in order to make connections so ask yourself are you sacrificing your needs to make connections or do you find yourself that you keep moving the boundaries of, of what's acceptable for you because you fear a loss of the connection of the relationship it, because here's the thing. When we keep moving those boundaries, then we start to resent the other person. We start to resent them. And then we become angry and upset, and then we become passive-aggressive. And then we either start sabotaging and pushing them away, or we contract and get small and, and disappear in the relationship. So be willing to set healthy boundaries, or at least have the conversation. Be, be willing to be a bit confrontational, right? 
because I, I, and I understand it's so hard when we feel unlovable uh, uh, to to uh, set and maintain boundaries, right? Because abusive people always seek to exploit them. They're always looking for the loophole, right? The, the abusive person will manipulate uh, our need for love and, and mistreat us. And, and, and it, it sucks to be or to feel like you're in that situation, right? But it, it's important to remember that no one deserves abuse. And, and the behavior is never appropriate or acceptable, right? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we feel unloved? How do we course correct? I already gave you a few nuggets earlier, but one of the things we can do is don't compare yourself to other people. And it's so hard not to do that. It's so hard not to compare yourself to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to strangers, to people on social media. My buddy, I have a, a men's group on Marco Polo, and one of the members said that when you go on somebody's Facebook to read their posts, and it's it's somebody who you know is going to post something or just looking at their post is going to emotionally dysregulate you. It's going to upset you. It's going to bother you. Um, then that's a form of emotional cutting. It's a form of self harm. It's it's you're 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 asking for violence onto yourself. So we. We can't spend our time comparing ourselves to other people and or putting ourselves in situations where we're seeking out pain and violence and self-harm to ourselves. It's so damaging. And then it just continues to validate how we're already feeling instead of empowering us. It's discouraging us and pushing us further and further from our need to feel like we belong, right? So this is why I always talk about finding a therapist or someone you can talk to or a support group or an accountability friend, someone that you can reach out to. And, and it's important to have a team. Have a, you know, have your individual therapist. Get a life coach. Get a... Um, Start a book club. Start your own group. There's nothing to stop you, you know, and because this can go to feeling unlovable where you go, well, who am I to start? Start. I started my own group during the pandemic. I've talked about this because, I, I, you know, it's like I, I, my friends were are in different places in the, in the world, in the country. And I was like, man, this, I got to start a group. I, I want to feel connected to a group of people. Start your own group. It doesn't have to be a mental health group. It doesn't have to be a group for people who feel unlovable. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. It could it could be a, a book club or um, a, a, you know a quote of the week or a question of the week. I mean, there's so many ways that you can um, form a, a. There's so many different cool groups that you can form, people who are left-handed or whatever, or whatever it is that you're passionate about that you want to connect and share with other people. You know, if you're into cats, a, a, a cat, whatever it is, haikus. I'm, I got to write some more haikus. I'm, I every time I think about it, I go, oh, my God, it's the coolest thing in the world. Uh, I did a podcast episode about haikus uh, a few weeks ago you you definitely check that out i i love haikus <laughs> um but w whatever it is talk to somebody you know get somebody that you can bounce ideas off of where you feel safe and secure and not judged and you feel validated right and you're encouraged to to share more and you feel heard and listened to and seen, create that space. 
I, I will say this though, you know, uh, in that space, you'll still have to, you can create, you can gather around the nicest people you want for your group or for your accountability buddy, but know that you'll still run into the challenge of setting healthy boundaries because people just naturally isn't nobody is <laughs> most people aren't inherently evil or inherently trying to push your buttons it's just that on some level we're all kind of selfish beings and sometimes we walk around in our own heads in our own world and we're not aware of what's going on around us i mean this is you know so it's why people like drive and text they they just think that their whole world is happening in their car. I'm guilty of it myself. I'm not shaming anybody. Um, but we just kind of get absorbed in ourselves and our needs and our wants, and we just kind of forget about any, anybody else. And um, So don't take it personally, but I'm just saying, when you start a group, boundaries and rules and expectations, all those things still have to be set and then maintained and enforced. So don't think that, you, you know, you're going to leave this relationship and then go into a, a, a quote-unquote healthy relationship. It, the rules still apply. Things still have to be done. We still have to engage, right, and, and, and make an effort. Um, and then also, you know, look for a cognitive behavioral therapist. And what's great about a cognitive behavioral therapist is that they help us to reframe things, to reframe our thoughts. And I've seen research talking about cognitive behavioral therapy as being just about our thoughts and what about what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what I think, but if this is still going on in the world, then, I mean, it doesn't change that fact. And you're absolutely right. There are systems, there are actions, things that are happening in the government and the world that are happening. Um, but if, if we feel like those things are out of our control, then we have ourselves to focus on and our thoughts and our thinking. And, and truly, and, I, and for us to engage in those things, if we are wanting to make a change in what's happening in the world, we still have to make sure that our thinking is clear, our minds are sharp, that we're um, expressing from a place of pure intention, that we're responding and not reacting. So cognitive behavioral therapy can help us discover the nuances, the gray areas, and that's not to say because there are <laughs> there are situations in which it's black and white. It's black and white. Yes, absolutely. But there it's not as many as we think there are. That's what cognitive behavioral therapy is there to do. To help us balance it out. To help us see the grays and the you know, I I live in San Diego, and when I go out to the beach, I'm not, not that I'm a beach person, but I like to go there at nighttime, feel the breeze, get the fractals, hear the waves, feel the calm. When I go out there it, during the day and I look at the water, it's one color. It's just like dark, dookie gray. I, I know dookie is not the – but it, it's just – and I only recognize that because I've been to the Caribbean. My mom is from Belize. I've seen what clear ocean water looks like. I've been to the Dead Sea. I've seen how many layers, um, um, the, the color gradients, how the water can go from clear to a light blue to a green to uh, a clear, like, it just has all these different shades. When you go out into a forest, you see all these different shades of green. You just realize there's so many different shades and textures and temperatures. You know, oh my, oh my God, it's so cool over here, but it's so hot right there. 
and it's warm here. And your, and your body is constantly adjusting. And so I bring this up to say that a lot of our thinking is that one color of the San Diego ocean, that Pacific, you know, close to the beach, it's polluted. So it's just one color. And what cognitive behavioral therapy does is it shows us what the water looks like in the Caribbean. What it looks like in, you know, Bora Bora, or I have a lot of friends going to Thailand is is not where I was thinking. But uh, I forget, what the, what's that other? You know, the islands. When you go out to the islands, those photos you see of island water. That's what cog- so cognitive behavioral therapy isn't saying there isn't dark, murky, one-color water. It's saying there's also shades. It's, it's on a spectrum. Let's explore that. Now, I know I said, <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, I know I said that I was going to talk about the suicide uh, prevention. You know what? I, I got time. I'll do this. So I'll run through this really quickly. Um, I, I went to the suicide prevention uh, conference, and Dr. Evan Kleiman talked about technology and his use in suicide prevention. And so real quickly, I just want to give you uh, about eight bullet points from it that I thought was really cool and, and that is super relevant for you. One is he shared that suicidal thoughts ebb and flow throughout the day. It's not persistent in intensity. I want to repeat. I want to say that again. It ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. It's not. So like if you're having ruminating thoughts right now, if you've had them, you'll notice that they come and go. And they have different levels of intensity throughout the day. Sometimes it's like a psychic where your head hurts and you just like you're like in a plane that's on fire. Um, and then sometimes it's like just kind of a low hum, like a refrigerator hum. Sometimes it's like mosquitoes in your head. Other times it's like wasps, right? And so the intensity of it changes. And so I would ask you, if you're experiencing that, the ebb and flows, the intensity changes, take note of it. At what times are you hearing those thoughts? Are you having those impulses? Morning, afternoon, night? Is it a certain time of the week? Is it typically on Mondays? Is it a certain time of the month? Is it like when rent is due? Is it the middle, like when right before you get your paycheck or right after you've gotten your paycheck? Like when are you having the thoughts? And then what's the intensity of it? Are they mosquitoes or are they wasps? Are they they like nuclear missiles being shot at you? So, you know, that's one. You know, our thoughts ebb and flow. And, And then notice like what's happening when they dissipate. What are you doing? Are you journaling? Are you hanging out with friends? Notice when they're not there. Are you engaged in some type of flow activity? Are you playing with pets? You know, noticing what your what your nutrition is. And like once again, I know that sounds like a lot of work, and this goes back to why it's so important to work with. Oh my God! Somebody just started a lawnmower, and I hope you can't you can't hear it. I can't tell if you can hear it or not. But um, so notice the ebb and flow of your thoughts throughout the day. The second big takeaway was uh, suicidal thoughts can escalate and de-escalate quickly, suggesting that there's a small window for interventions. So we talked about this before a long time ago in a in an old episode about how suicidal thoughts are so brief that that like that the thought to end your life to um, to to uh, the, the the impulse 
to do X, Y, or Z, how quickly that can dis how quickly it can come on and then how quickly it can disappear. It's almost like when you're <laughs> you're walking through a haunted house and somebody jumps out at you and goes, boo. And you're like, huh? And then they disappear again. It's like that. Like you're they've disappeared, but you're still scared. You're like, whoa, what was that? But they're gone. But you still have that like your 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 body, your your nervous system is still uh, responding as if they're they're still there. So they come and go and they de-escalate quickly. Um, the the and, and what's cool about that is that we can breathe through that. We can breathe through it. I've I I practice uh, deep yoga uh, meditation, uh, breathing, inhales and exhales. And there's so many YouTube channels and I use the Calm app to kind of practice my breathing. Or I just shut everything off. We can also call a friend. Or and if you don't have a friend to call, just leave a voicemail with somebody or write yourself a, a letter. Go for a walk. You know, maybe yell into a, a pillow. Or just kind of, you know what, you know what else I do? This is so random. I I have a, a I bought a stopwatch for my wrist and I'll set a timer to see how long the uh the thoughts last right i set a timer and they don't last that long and to the point where i forget that i've even set the timer so there's so many things that we can do when we are in the middle of it uh number three is uh, sleep issues so notice for yourself if you are having ruminating thoughts uh, before sleep, if you're having nightmares, if there was some sadness the day before, or maybe a lack of sleep, or uh, it's taking you a long time. So notice if you're having any type of sleep issues. Is it taking you a long time to fall asleep, or are you waking up in the middle of the night? Because those require two different interventions. There, there's different reasons for those. So notice that, and, and then you can Google that and look up how to address those different things and talk to it, talk to your therapist about it. Is there trouble falling asleep or getting to sleep? Are you having nightmares? Because that requires a, an entirely different intervention, right? Um, and then are you having ruminating thoughts before sleep? So if you're having it before sleep, you know, that's where journaling or exercising or writing or, or just making sure that you're not watching something that is feeding the thoughts, uh, and you know, the fourth thing that he talked about was how, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy are effective for, uh, teaching us coping skills, uh, for suicide prevention, right? So cognitive behavioral therapy helps us to reframe our thinking, uh, our all or nothing or black and white thinking and dialectical behavioral therapy helps us to bridge that, that space between acceptance and change. So a lot of times when we hear about acceptance, it's not, <laughs> the idea is not to accept everything that's happening to you. It's to accept what part that you are responsible for and can change. And then uh, being aware of what you can and cannot change. It's almost like if you've been in a 12-step program, you know, and you do the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So if you feel like you don't have the courage to change the things you can, that's where you want to partner up with somebody and, 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 uh, and reach out and talk to. Now, wearables, some people, they're trying, what they were trying to discover is if you have a wearable like a watch that monitors your heart rate and things, if that can detect, you know, your likelihood for suicide, uh, for a suicide attempt. And what they find is they can't, but what they can use the wearable for is to remind you of your coping skills. Because a lot of times when we are feeling suicidal or depressed, we forget what our coping skills are. So, to you know, the wearable can be great for that. Uh, and because a lot of times, like, you'll go to therapy and they'll give you some tools to cope, and then you'll forget it. And you'll be like, oops, I forgot. 
Or if you have a wearable, it can alert you as to be like, hey, did you try this coping skill at this time? So that's what that can be really cool for. Uh, and then I'll leave you with this last thing. Emoji, if you're a parent, emojis. Look at your kids' emojis. The pill emoji plus uh, a loudly crying face, um, that's, that's a high risk for suicidal thoughts and attempts. Uh, people, kids who describe themselves as a vampire, right, where they're normal outside but sick inside. We, we want to, you know, address that and have a conversation. Or if you're feeling like a vampire, normal outside but sick inside, share that with someone. Um, also, it's not feelings but mode of attempting suicide that equals risk. So this is interesting. I'll say it again. It's not your feelings, but it's the mode of attempting suicide that equals a high risk. So if you say I'm feeling suicidal or, you know, I'm feeling depressed, that is that puts you in a moderate risk. But if you say I'm feeling suicidal and I want to end my life via, you know, this, that or the other, that like you have a mode of how you're going to end like a, a actual plan. Now that puts you that puts us at a high uh, suicide risk. So be on the lookout for those things. And that's all from Dr. Evan Kleiman. Um, and I'll put his name in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in for, to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with me, Leo Flowers. This has been so amazing. I really appreciate all your love and support. And if you found value in this episode, please make sure you share it with a friend or a loved one or an enemy. <laughs> Or people in your group. Um, what else? You go, go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Get 10% off your first month. And that's it. Adios. Let's get to tomorrow together.